Well, we're a little late because I, I wasn't paying attention to when the reschedule was that I totally agreed to. But this is this is part of my comprehensive plan that I'm trying to put into place before the year is out. Well, I don't know. This is this is my FY22 plan for uh, Cote Industries, which is uh, trying not to give a shit. And oh. so far, it's, tonight, it's going too well. This I is think the that's year the for problem. That? Is, is, <laughs> I, uh, I I should have paid closer attention to the calendar, but I apologize. You're getting 100% on these MVS right now, 100% yeah. uh, on your achievement. So congratulations. Yeah. You know, I was li- I've been listening lazily to some dimming and like, love that guy, right? But I feel like maybe he's kind of like the Pope telling a bunch of like horny people to stop fucking so much. Like, <laughs> just like, I feel like. Wait, wait, wait. Really... When, when is Deming going to give in like the Pope? He's like, you know what? It's okay if some of you are gay. Yeah. <laughs> I like that I Pope. I like that's, that Deming. That Deming who's a... like, who's like, you know, it's okay to do some planning, a little waterfall, you know. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think it's okay I think if that's, some defects get through. Whatever. That's it's Deming major, just like eventually he's he's got to he's got to give in because you know he's all like, don't use MBOs or manage my numbers and. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, it all sounds cool. I'm all for it. That's as as what to use one of my you know, I don't know who I learned this phrase from, but it's one of the better ones. Number one phrase. The only thing that's shocking is that we're still shocked. Number two phrase. Uh, you know, you can't eat the plan, but you can book the plan or whatever. I can never remember it. And the uh, number three phrase was like you're talking with someone, you're describing, you know, what you should do at your company and how it should be. And then someone someone like me is just like that sounds like a great company. We should go work there. And I, I, think, I think that's uh... <laughs> oh, so. Ba- back to the back to dimming in the MBOs. I mean, I just, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the, the dude's not wrong. He's just, you know, you can finish the quote, but it doesn't apply there. It's just, uh, it's just, uh, man. I listen to it, and it sounds so nice. It's like I that is a company we should go work for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Basically my, uh, my position on that. Uh, somehow uh, for some reason I'm connected through our global, uh, VPN to cork. If I disconnect, <laughs> I think we'll, st- I'll still be cool. Uh, okay, good. Still so, here. but my question at this point does, uh, do the MBOs, are we writing the MBOs or does Workday, uh, or does Workday really just own the MBOs? You know, does it just become uh, forms that we're filling in data inside Workday? Is that, is it, cause I feel like that's what most people yep. now experience. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's that's why who SAP owns Workday, right? No, they're they're separate. They're, yeah, I they're thought, separate. Who oh S, SAP bought success factors, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. Yeah. Well that's good. Did you see the earnings from uh, SAP? Not good. Not good. They, Things wait, are bad. I thought yeah. SAP was private. No, oh. SAP is a huge mo- oh, I, I, actually SAS, they're private. Yes. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. Totally different company. On every, no, on every no, level, no, no. culturally, yes. geographically, yes. Basic, basically, whenever whenever a British jet pilot goes down, they send an SAS and uh, they they rescue them. It's different. Is, is oh, that's okay. different too. That's also different. I think they just show reports. Yeah. They'll show everyone reports. That's what they'll do. Yes, yes. That, that's they're, some they're, level confusion. They're like we're like R, but neither open source nor free. I think is is I recall what they do. Huh. Right. Wow, that joke really fell flat. <laughs> <laughs> the can all be perfect. Today's show is sponsored by Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing enterprise infrastructure, you deserve simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solutions that allow you to take your project to the next level. 
Simplify your cloud infrastructure with Linode's Linux virtual machines and develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Get started on Linode today with $100 in free credit for listeners of Software Defined Talk. You can find all the details at linode.com slash SDT. Linode has 11 global data centers and provides 24-7, 365 human support with no tiers or handoffs regardless of your plan size. In addition to shared and dedicated compute instances, you can use your $100 in credit on S3-compatible object storage, manage Kubernetes, and more. Host your website, build your app, store or backup media. It's up to you, and it's all free with $100 in Linode credit. Visit linode.com slash SDT and click on the Create Free Account button to get started. And be sure to check out Linode's new YouTube channel for video tutorials, security tips, and more at youtube.com slash Linode. And of course, we thank Linode for sponsoring our show. Well, you know, I, so the SAP thing stood out in my mind because I saw that ServiceNow, where a former SAP co-CEO uh, is serving, they reported doing really well, which, uh, you know, it, it made me think, <clears throat> it seems like that whole SaaS idea has really got legs. That's probably <laughs> what, what, what people are into. Yeah, and, people uh, are into to making money through subscriptions and just keeping the money funnel. The money churning away, yeah. But did you see like a few weeks ago where it's, it's now all going? It used to be you would have the enterprise offering, and then you would maybe eventually offer the SaaS, right? That was sort of like the path people went. But Alassia yeah. was, I think, I don't know. They seemed like the first yeah. to go the other way. They're like, we're getting rid of this enterprise thing. We don't have time for it. Like, we're just SaaS only. We don't want the enterprise customer anymore. So I thought that was like a real, I mean, uh, I don't know, maybe a, a well, bellwether I, I, I moment. Mean, Absolutely. I mean, that, that's kind of like the difference between companies that um, whether or not they're professional services, right? Because so much of enterprise software is, you know, getting it to work in the enterprise, you know, dealing with all of the problems of, of the enterprise and, you know, how things get provisioned and who has access and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that takes people power. And so if you can, if you can tell, you know, the customer, no, 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 you just come over here to this site and you're going to get it. And, you know, we'll leave the wiring up to you, but, you know, don't make us run in your infrastructure. It saves you on people. And, you know, that that's kind of like better margins. <laughs> well, it's impressive there, I think, because they, they went the full way. They actually said, hey, it's, I mean, clearly they did calculations like, whatever revenue we're getting from in this enterprise version, is just not worth the time and effort anymore. Cause it, so many yeah. of the conversations were the opposite where, well, we could be SaaS, but we're giving up all this enterprise revenue. We can't do it. Right. And so now they've completely flipped that around. It's like, doesn't even matter. Well, and, and they gave themselves three years of runway, right? True. So they're like 2024. You know. <laughs> so, so we could say they, they, they just announced it and to see how it's for, see how uh, the maintenance contracts exactly. get renewed. Exactly. And they're like, Hmm. And there could be, as we know at this game, there could be a, a good old extend uh, service life, oh, a support you know agreement. It. You know, there's, there's like, we'll give you a little, uh, we'll, we'll go a little bit longer. It's going to cost you twice as much. Exactly. They, they call that a LTS. That's right. Yep, LTS yep. baby. That's right. No, they now, call that, they call that money in the bank. That's what they call that. Now, now is that, is that, uh, you know, I, I don't pay this close attention to, I'm no R Ray Wang on uh, uh con, you know, enterprise contract negotiation, but like is three years, the, the warning that you give people for dramatic, uh, switches in, in, in support and maintenance. Is that, is that the baseline right now? It feels like it. Three years feels like the appropriate window. It's like the two weeks notice. It's like this is the industry standard for for giving up. Um, and then you say, and okay. then I, I think okay. you then offer up beyond that. You're like, well, we could do some type of long term support, but we definitely don't want to do it. But we could do yeah. it, 
but it will cost you a lot of money. So you have three years to work it out. I see. I see. Oh, you, you call you call that a strategic account? Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> Correct. That's yeah. one of my one of my other favorite euphemisms: a strategic account. I was I was talking with someone uh, a, a while ago, and they're like, "Oh, I'm I'm moving. I'm working on strategic accounts now." I was like, "Oh, you mean the uh, the five to twenty accounts that give us a shit ton of money every year?" And, and yes. they were like, "Yes." Which is uh, you know now listen. I buy a lot of software, not enterprise software, but I would like the people who uh, buy enterprise software think about the uh, is dictionarial. They think about the sort of linguistic implication if you're not a strategic account. What what that is? Uh, that that's sort of Ooh, exciting as well. Yeah, <laughs> you're the ones that that you know the when the when the product managers are making their you know who to call about the new features. They're like, and we'll get around to them. <laughs> you know, you know what those those product managers are going to have a problem with though. If Confluence is uh, not on premise, they're going to have to to figure that. Out. However, this does, you know, I had to log in. Speaking of the the VPN, the reason I was logged in is because I had to access some Confluence page. Looks like I'll be able to uh, uninstall that VPN in three years because uh, <laughs> it'll it'll just be a SaaS. I can assure you that uh, you're working on one of those LTS customers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, you know that you know that's there. Is isn't there? Wasn't one of the Crown Victorias an LTS? I I need to look this up. Crown Victoria LTS. Probably. I wonder if you can still buy those. Oh, LTD. No, LTD. LTD. Yeah, close. But that, that that is the same kind of uh, same same kind of deal, right? Like the car companies, are like we will make this exact same model for the next ten years, so you can buy fleets of them. You know, mm-hmm. um, you see it in manufacturing, like uh, whenever. Whenever the new Raspberry Pis come out, and other like you know small small embedded vendors, they're like, we guarantee we will be building this exact hardware for the next eight years. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, you don't you don't see that from like you know people selling to consumers, but you know when you start to tread into those lines of of uh, industrial grade stuff. That's yeah. Speaking of speaking of long term support, or or the opposite of it. Thank thanks mm-hmm. to the the generous listenertude of our listeners. Uh, I today I purchased one of the new, well not new I purchased an iPad Pro, twelve point oh. five inch, big guy, and uh, as as I told Kim, my wife, uh, you don't need to know how much money I spent, uh, but, <laughs> but that, it, are you telling the listeners or your wife? Oh, I just but you know it it is because of the uh, the the wonderful listeners we have and the advertising support we have. I I have invested in a a, a new thing there, but. It reminded me of that in that, you know, it has USB-C instead of the lightning cable. Mm. So this is going to be, uh, it's supposed to come some by, sometime between November 11th and November 15th. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm putting it out there. I'm going to have a review. You all have to remind me, but I want to have a review only of the USB-C interface to the new <laughs> iPad. Just to kind of go over what is, what is life like with an iDevice on USB C. The switching cables. Having to, the first part is like, oh, turns out I didn't have enough of these cables. That's going to be the yeah. first part of the review. Now, now it, I, have, I have thought of that, but I actually do have enough because my, um, Your Mac- I got a MacBook Air yeah, that's yeah. only USB-C. And then also my son has a Switch, which is also USB-C. Yeah. So you're like yeah. midway in the transition. Your migration yeah. away from Lightning has started. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so it is, it is, I don't know. I'm going to, well, in three years, Cote, we're dropping support for the lightning cables. So get, uh, get on it, get on it now, my friend. <laughs> That's right. L- LTS is every day well, when you're in uh, computers. I was saying, Apple's LTS windows usually a little shorter. So yeah. 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 
Well, Kote, give us the, I, I'm interested to know why, what prompted you to buy the new iPad? Like, is there something specific well, you wanted one. to do? It's the, it's the iPad Pro. Oh, the, sorry, the iPad Pro. What, so what was the prompt? You're like, I really want an iPad Pro because you have a specific use case or you're just like, hey, it's time to upgrade and this is the next one up. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know so uh, you remember all those little tiny videos I made back mm-hmm. when I was on paternity yeah. leave, when I was not working, so to speak? Uh, I edited all of those on my phone and the iPad and they were very, very gratifying, very pleasing, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I enjoyed that. Now, also... Uh, so, you know, I would like to do more things on the iPad. I just I just don't. That's a fundamental problem of digital transformation right there. Uh, and uh, I was looking at the new one. The other thing that I want is that new magic keyboard thingamajiggy that they have, yep. right? which is only available on the new iPad Air and the iPad Pro, as I recall. And it or stated more simply, it does not work with the iPad I currently have. Mm-hmm. And so uh, also because I have money. Um, and then, so. yeah. All right. Well, this is the reason and, I was asking. Also, I also, I got the pencil so that I can turn it upside down in a race instead like of having to change the, right. uh, the thing. All right. The yeah. reason I ask is that I have the old iPad pro, I guess it's one of the mm. first ones and, uh, mm. it has the keyboard and stuff. And I thought, oh, this will be great. I'll use this kind of like as uh, you know, like on the go kind of laptop kind of thing. And, uh, I think it's failed in every respect. The keyboard isn't very good. It kind of flakes yeah, out. Yeah. And so now I'm, I'm going back to, I'm very interested to see uh, what the new ARM uh, MacBooks are. Because I think in the end, you know what I just want? I just really want a nice 12-inch laptop that is very uh, light. And Because I, and I, yeah. I think all the things yeah. I've been trying to do is make the iPad into a laptop. And I'm like, no, I don't want this at all. I just want a thinner, lighter faster yeah. laptop and i'm i'm interested to see if if apple finally delivers on it because i'm just giving up all the stuff i could never actually use it i don't actually do email yeah. on it i actually never did anything really meaningful on the ipad was my observation yeah. of my own behavior i i, I, I hear a, you i hear you i had a first generation ipad and that was it <laughs> i i, 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 right. I feel, like, I feel like for for me the ipad is 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 almost like uh you know, way back when I bought one of those door gym things that's like a pull up bar. And I was like, oh, this is the rest of my life. And then I never really <laughs> used it. Right. And, and, I, and I feel like I feel like the iPad is one of those hopeful things, except I'm wiser. Right. It's like this yeah. time I, oh, well, I not 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 only not only am I going to use it, but I, I sincerely sort of think this a lot. I don't know what sort of means is that there are limitations to what you can do on an iPad. Right. Infamously, you can't really, I don't know, do presentations very well. Like, I think you could do, you know, there's this thing that the the nerds like to use. That's some sort of markdown and GitHub to make slides. And I look at that every now and then I'm like, what the fuck is this? I can't make slides with this unless I want to just do some fucking slideshow. Right. Like, it's just a bunch of bullshit as far as like the busyness of slides I like to do. So slides are hard. And then I was thinking, like, how would I record podcasts? Right. Like. That might be, you'd have to use Zoom, blah, blah, blah. But then what I often come back to is like, if I envision the things that I can't do with an iPad, the Venn diagram overlap of my ideal life is incredibly overlapping, right? So I almost feel like the iPad could be a forcing function for like, I can't do that. And therefore, it'll shuffle me more into the type of of life that I want to have. And also, you know, it's a fun gadget. Yeah, and I like no. Listen, like the fun gadget part of it, great. I had the pencil for a while, got rid of it because I never used it. But I think that was super uh, fun when I you play around with it. 
Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, you need to play around with it. But I will say the thing that iPad uh, has always done phenomenally well, it's just like play movies on a plane. Yeah. Right? It's just, it's yeah. perfect. Of course, now not really traveling, haven't had to do that much, but like it is the perfect device for that. And and funny enough uh, to Matt Ray's review of like literally the first iPad ever had, the first one was phenomenal at that as well. Like that thing, if yeah. they would still um, hack that together and keep that supported, that screen was great. It was great to watch movies. Mine, mine still it was, works. I- yeah, I can plug it in. I can dump movies on it and watch them at you know really? 1024 actually, 768. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's incredible! Well, yeah, I, I, you know, I, why I do I even ask, a, Matt? Go, of course, I you have, have an working. iPad. I have an iPad 3 Mini, and it and it uh, when I plug it in, it works. I mean, the iPad 3 Mini. Whew, talk about that was the uh, the PowerBook 12 of the iPads. You know what I'm saying? That <laughs> that was pants. that was like the perfect form factor right there well that's yes. why i thought of you coach because i believe uh, as people that probably maybe don't know silver pants right was the uh cote's uh uh legendary 12 inch uh what was, it? What, was a power book right and it was phenomenal yeah, right it's like book, yeah. yeah it's like and it's like i i believe Perfect. i believe we're on the verge after a deck i don't know 15 plus years it's coming back the arm mac is going to bring us the 12 inch version me, of that excuse me apple silicon yeah. Yes. Of course. <laughs> Apple Silicon Mac. Well, Brit was yeah. going to bring it. That's my hope. That's that's what I'm holding my uh, my money for. That's my my dearest hope. It happens. So so this is this is what FY22 is going to be all about. Is just going to I'm going to try to live that iPad life. Like I, <laughs> I can't. What happened to 21. I know 22. <laughs> like what is VMware on? Is it already no, 21? No, no, no. Two years you, out. No, this, this is this is the Cote schedule. FY22. Our fiscal year ends in like June. <laughs> right like this so there's no there's no problems like okay. just whatever we're just we're done like kids are out of school nothing happens in june you know that would be perfect if fy22 ended in august so basically you can't sell to europe just all of EMEA out yeah no no deals being closed yeah. <laughs> in, in q4 in q4 fy22 uh but yeah i don't know I gotta, I gotta, yeah, I gotta, I gotta work on that. That's what we'll we'll have to check in on that regularly. See how it's going. Also, Brandon, I'm gonna get lidar. Yeah, no, I'm all in on the iPhone. I'm definitely getting the iPhone Pro. I don't even know why I need it. I'm getting the lidar. I'm getting the complicated camera that I don't know how to use. I'm. I just think at this point, just sign me up for the most expensive thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Matt Ray, any movement on? Have you considered on the iPhone Mini? <laughs> Yeah, last no, episode you were still uh, on the on the fence. Nothing. No, no, I am. Uh, I'm still. You're rocking the Sony. The, this new, yeah, well, yeah, still got my Sony. I got uh, got some new headphones. I got my my new Linux workstation. I'm uh, maintaining. It's not a luddite life. I'm just, you know. Off no, we should the... give you credit, Matt. After the episode <laughs> where uh, we did your iPhone review, your non-iPhone review, you sent me a link showing me it's that. Wire wire cutter or someone knows someone recommended wired. it was wired had their review yeah it was like, the you know if, this is the best small phone unless you like that Sony one so <laughs> yes so so it was a weird way it was a backhanded compliment that your phone was the preferred phone uh, unless you didn't want anything good first, that was it was like the weirdos yes. yeah so there you go Matt you're you're very cutting edge you're very hip hipster that way uh, yeah it's, such is my my legacy. Today's show is sponsored by StrongDM. Working from home, managing a gazillion SSH keys, database passwords, and Kubernetes certs? Meet StrongDM. Manage and audit access to servers, databases, and Kubernetes clusters no matter where your employees are. With StrongDM, easily extend your identity provider to manage infrastructure access, 
automate onboarding, offboarding, and moving people within roles with the click of a button. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi to manage access. You'll have more control and less hassle. StrongDM. Manage and audit remote access to infrastructure. Start your free 14-day trial at strongdm.com slash stt. Again, that's strongdm.com slash stt. No credit card required. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Well, you know, maybe we should get to some news before before we have to close out. Now, now I've got I want to mention just something really briefly. Let's not talk about it a lot, Matt Ray. But I saw that Zoom <laughs> has some kind of phone service. And you you replied to me some I I don't they got so many channels. I'm not living that iPad life yet, so I'm still bouncing around everywhere. I can't keep Does track that of it. Does iPad things. like kick you out of slacks? <laughs> I think I think I, I I think when I'm living the iPad life there's going to be a lot less coming at me just because I can't get those fucking windows open. Right? Oh, like, I like just, it. You're just like, so, oh, I, I can't use that that mode of communication. I'm, I'm, telling, I'm telling you, Matt Ray, you remember Cory Doctorow's criticism of the iPad when it came out, which is like Apple is going to control your, your, your ins and your outs, your ups yeah, and your downs, yeah. and you're, and like, you're not going to be able to create things that's going to kill everything. I'm like, yes, I would love yes, that. Please, please, please chop this off. Uh, anyhow, so is this Zoom thing going to solve our problems, Matt Ray? So, and, and the problem being, I'd kind of even forgotten what this problem was when I saw it, but I encountered it when I was purchasing the <laughs> iPad. Of course, my bank, which uses through my credit card, it is still astonished that I would be buying expensive products from Apple while in the Netherlands. It's just like after almost three years, you it just wigs out. You, yeah. 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 Every, so every time I log into my bank, I'm like... It's like, would you like to update your location? I'm like, still in Australia. Yeah, and, and, and so it wigs out. And it actually, this is the best it's ever been. It sends me a fraud thing. I just log into the app, and you can approve it. Totally cool. But I wanted to add Face ID, and it had to send. It had to call me. They always want to call you. It had to call me, but of course they have my Google phone number listed, which means I effectively cannot answer the phone. I got Skype ringing. I got this thing ringing. You just can't answer the your, phone. Your so, iPad fix that. So my question to you, Matt, is if I sign up for the Zoom phone service, will I be able to answer the call to sign up for Face ID in my city mobile app? Is that finally going to work? Well, probably not. My my reading of these tea leaves is it's a corporate, it's a corporate um, voice system, mm. right? So you're like, hey, I've got a company and we got employees around the world and everybody needs a company phone number. I will give you a virtual phone number for you, you know, and we can call you wherever you are. Um, yeah. So yeah. like, you know, you've already got your own private Slack or private Zoom conference. Now they're just saying, well, now we've got a, you know, your Zoom ID for that meeting room is actually a phone number. That's yeah. that's my reading on this. I mean, uh, I didn't maybe, read anything. Maybe they have an because, you know, when I looked into this before, maybe there's an app that's basically like Skype. Yeah. And it'll ring that app. Yep. Yep. <sighs> That's useless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I tried to sign up for, for Venmo a few weeks ago. Uh, they won't let you do it with the Google phone number. So I'm like, you know, sorry, you know, no, no Venmo for me. Cause they don't do uh, Australia phone numbers either. So yeah. probably um, money launders again. They're always ruining this shit for us expats. <laughs> Yeah, be be sure to use my transfer wise code after the end. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, you know, Matt Ray, do you have an international banking account? Have you ever looked into that? Uh, no, I have an I have an Australian. Right. Well, that's bank a conversation account. for another yeah. time then. And, and American bank accounts. 
Yeah, there's some Australians to funnel money between them. There's some Australians I know, and they bought a house here. And I was like, "How did you move that much money over here?" And they were like, "International banking, mate." They're actually like the poshest Australians I've ever met. They're very oh, like smooth. They might like, be. Uh, they might be faking the accent. Well, they're, they're from Sydney. I don't know if that means anything. <laughs> but... <laughs> no, they're sweet people. They said that their daughter's favorite food was the uh, the like the the Vegemite sandwich, and uh, yeah, which is just astonishing. So, uh, yeah, you know, maybe we'll have to look into that and see if it solves the problem. I mean, I'm realizing what I want is a U.S. number that rings my Dutch phone. Yes. Is that so much to ask in the internet area? Apparently, the answer is yes. Yes, that is yes, so much is. to ask. <laughs> Uh, what what well, a pain! You can now, get it, but you don't want to pay, you know, forty bucks a month for that. I don't know. Is that a is that possible? I, I'd pay forty. Well, no, maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> well, so so you know, your fancy iPhones don't they have dual SIMs? Yes, and I've tried to sign up for Google Fi, but they told me that like it somehow it was canceled or something. Well, that's, like, that's what I'm saying. Next time you're in America, sign up for Verizon and slap yeah. a Verizon SIM in your phone. And now you've got, you know, an American phone number. It's this fucking virus. I would have done that already, but now I can't, uh, can't do anything. This virus is like killing my, my eSIM plans. Cramping your phone style. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well now someone, and it might've been you, Brandon, you, uh, you put a lot of serverless stuff in there, including a 2009 talk. No, not 2009, a 2019 talk. Uh, from Simon Wardley, and then some other uh, some we got a post from Mark Hinkle, someone that we all know, talking about uh, serverless way way of the future. Server smash. Was that you, Brandon, who put that? Yeah, in? no, it was. I was sort of I was looking into you know we were always talking about developer productivity, so I was taking another look at the serverless stuff because people had pointed it out, and so this this talk I think a lot of, it feels like everyone has seen it already, but I had not seen it. This uh, Simon. Uh, um, Wardley talk, of course, the Wardley maps. So, you know, I guess he just makes the case pretty strongly. His case is that, yeah, I mean, I, I, the way I'm going to just like summarize a very long talk into like just one sentence is that serverless is the future. Like if you don't kind of get it right now, it, it, that's fine, but you're missing out And the part that I guess, cause of course, like all of us, I've been kind of watching it, but the part that I've been thinking a lot more about, and we've been talking about the last couple of shows is the developer experience, right? So, you know, as I've said many times on the show, it's like most of the times it's like, oh, let's make it real easy for the developer to learn our new system, which is usually a series mm -hmm. of wizards, but it still requires a lot for developers to learn. So kind of flipping that on, on its head, it's like, what if you went the other way? What if the developer, we just assume he knows a programming language of choice, he understands the domain he's working in, and what is the minimum amount, and he just wants to write the code that basically, if you will, you know, enca encapsulates the the domain logic of whatever they're building, right? And so yeah. if you said, if you go that route and you say, well, serverless, I think does actually deliver on a lot of that promise, right? It's like, I'm just going to basically write the functions that I need. And, you know, people that are really into this talk about like the verbs of the business. So like, what are the verbs of the business? Like get a register, a user, like kind of stuff we're talking about here, maybe transfer money, maybe, you know, create report, all that kind of stuff. It's like, if you went that far, it does seem like serverless is the closest to actually delivering on this. Like you just need to know the runtime, your preferred programming language. And most of these serverless platforms make it pretty easy to put that function up there. So kind of starting with that, I was like, okay, that makes sense. And so I've just kind of been reading up on, there's a definitely, I think a small but vocal set of people that, Hey, this is the future. 
Like we all are missing it. If we're not like, while all of us are talking about Kubernetes and other stuff, we're missing out on the future. So that's sort of one perspective. And then I was actually in the software defined talk Slack today. And I was kind of asking around like, well, what's the, uh, what's the downside to this? And a lot of people brought up, you know, you're relying on the networking cold start. And then the fact that, you know, it's the stateless nature of service serverless kind of makes it yeah. difficult um, to do, but I don't know. I feel like I don't, and this is where I'm, I'm sort of in the middle of my own thinking. I'm like, I feel like all of those things are relatively are problems that could be overcome in the not either today or in the not too distant future. So, so I don't know, I guess that's what I've been thinking about is like, is this the future or am I just getting uh, enamored with something that's, you know, kind of the new shiny thing and, and missing out on all the problems it, it, it presents? Um, I think it's the future, but <clears throat> I think, um, I think the problem is, you know, it's going to require changing a lot of stuff. And as we're all perfectly aware, like enterprises love fast moving changes. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, you first, first you'll have to get people off the mindset of, you know, well, we first, we stand up some machines or VMs and then we put an OS on them and then we put Mm. a middleware stack and then we put our app and then we coordinate the app and, you know, we got to get them off that mindset. And, you know, which is why a lot of the early gains are things like um, stream processing, where they're like, you know what, we don't have time for your nonsense, you know, or, you know, the the load is so bursty and, and you know, changeable that that old style of, of process doesn't work for us. Um, and so that's the early adopters are, are the people doing, you know, streaming stuff. I mean, not like video streaming, but, you know, uh, you know things that things that can be responded to without a lot of state, and you know it's just this this workers um, working against the jobs as they come in. That that's not a lot of that's not you know surprisingly that's not everything that the enterprise does. Right. But <laughs> let me so, let me ask you this, yeah. Matt. If if and Kote, I know you have a lot of experience talking about this as well. So if if we were to say, hey, we want to, um, you know kind of decompose a monolith and let's create microservices because you know, we we're bought off on that. That's the future, right? Like, would a natural starting point be like, okay, well, let's try to, when we do this, let's make every microservice just a, say, essentially a serverless function, right? Let's start that way. And let's prove that the microservice that we're creating cannot be done this way. Before we do it, yeah. like, let's, let's default this. Like, this is the way we should do it until proven that it just cannot be done. Because even if we get half of them done this way, it does seem like it would offer a tremendous cost savings in both development time and productivity going forward or now why is that a wrong approach it's not a wrong approach but i don't think most places are ready to make that move right the 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 skills aren't there so you know if i'm like this you know hot shot new enterprise architect and i roll up into a bank and i'm like you know you know deconstruct the monolith and let's you know replace all these microservices with functions as a service yeah, and then they're like, but IBM pays us by, you know, we pay IBM by the 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 change request, and it's like, wait, what? You know, I mean, you're just running into this buzzsaw of of inertia, 
you know, the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so, which is why, you know, you'll have like... As opposed to the right way of a buzzsaw. <laughs> <laughs> but like, would you agree, though, the buzzsaw we're running into, that would be, the buzzsaw would still be there if I said, hey, let's do that. Let's We're going to set up our own uh, Kubernetes installation or use one of uh, Tanzu yeah, or a platform and we're going to then uh, create pods, we're going to create microservices. I mean, do you think that the same type of objections would be made? Like, hey, whoa, 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 I manage VMs. Back off there. Well, you know, setting up, Kubernetes is going to give those people something to do for the next nine months. <laughs> but, but, but the problem is like, well, we already talked about the, the struggles with, you know, LTS when, when Kubernetes releases every six months or nine months or whatever they're on, that's, that's a hard slog for most enterprises. You know, I, I mean, I can speak from experience on that one. Um, where that's why you pretty much just have to say like, you know, screw it. Let's go do this total greenfield stuff, this new pattern. And, you know, once you've proven your greenfield stuff, you can come back and say, like, look, this works really well. We will never bring this into your your operating model. What we have to do is, like, start slicing things out of the old way and, and move them to the new way. I don't – I don't I, – I, I, hopefully I'm wrong, but right. I, I have – well, I, the part I, that I saw, sure you, can, you can, you can save the monolith. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So, <laughs> you know, maybe, in, maybe that's sort of a migration story. The part that I got some, a window into, I won't mention the name of the customer because I don't think they, they, they want it out there, but you know, Greenfield, completely Greenfield. So that's of course unusual. So let's first start, let's acknowledge that, Super unusual. but that yeah. they built a, let's just say just some like web, web, web app system, right? hundred percent serverless. Right. And they're, they're uh, AWS bill was essentially like what accounted to like nothing, right? It was like, when you do this and you get it right, the, the savings, right. That you don't have to have all these idle, you know, cause you're not paying for any idle time any EC2 stuff right. or whatever. Right. Is I was like, wow, this is pretty, I mean, this gets the CFO's oh, yeah. attention, right? I was like, this is, this is pretty amazing. And so, so suddenly when you see a number like that, you're like, oh, well, maybe we could figure out the, the fact that every call has network latency. Like maybe we could work around that. The fact that, um, you know, I guess the other thing about the whole state listing, cause that, that part I always get confused is like, I, like what, I mean, I know this is like a stupid question, but like, what is stateless? It's like, why can't we just back in this with a database as a service? And I can always go back and like, you know, do some calls to my database and get what I need to get. Like, like, why is that? Like, why is that a wrong approach? Like, why, why are we calling that? Like, are we calling that stateless? Are we calling that stateful? Like, what's the big deal? I have a database as a service. I'll, I'll, I'll get what I need out of that database. But people are like, oh no, it's stateless. And I'm like, well, I don't get it. Like, wh- wh- why is what I just said wrong? I don't think it's wrong. I, I think anything, <laughs> I, I think any, any service that you can get to a stateless place where, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if you turn it off and turn it back on later, it can pick up where it's going. You know, that's, that's the, right. the, the way oversimplified stateless answer. Um, anything that can approach that I think is, is a good target for serverless. But like, right, so, but help me there. Here, you'll give me the the next time someone says this. Like, oh, people will be like throw the stateless argument at me. I'm like, well, wait a minute. What do you mean? Like, we we can always call back to the database. Like, I have a database of service. I, I know where it is. If I need to save something or get something, I can get it. But they'll be like, oh, that's you know, you're talking stateless. And I'm like, I don't think I'm talking stateless. I just told you where I'm going to go get it. So like, what is the part I am missing there where people are like? They're like, 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 what is stateful in that sense? Like, what is the part? How would they be doing it in a better way? I don't think it's better. Okay. I, I think they're they're assuming that applications take a 
you know, need, I, I think they're used to the, their applications needing configuration and needing to be like, you know, some spin up time and rehydrate themselves with data. And, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, they're, they're stateful in the fact that they're slow to start and get back to what they were doing. <laughs> right. But, you know, but this is the whole idea of like, you know, the, uh, uh, not, not disposable, but ephemeral infrastructure, right? Where you're like, you know, hey, don't put anything that you can't afford to lose on your VM and, you know, you'll start operating more efficiently. And that that's still a big change for some enterprises. You know, they're like, okay. whoa, but our VMs have names, right? And we're like, no, 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 no. You know, and, and it's just, once you've made that jump of things are disposable, then you've bought into the idea of, well, if they're disposable, they must not have had any state worth keeping around or, you know, any state that we can't recover from source or a database. Now you're on that path. Yeah. You know, so anything that if you can get to ephemeral infrastructure, you can get to serverless. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Where does this fit into your, your spiel? Are you uh, you ever talk about this or is this are you just keeping flying above this, staying out of this mess? Oh, man. You got to fly above the mess. But <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I think the deal is I, I think I think right is the wrong word, but you're you're on to the right thing, Brandon, where it's just like, yeah, eventually you're going to have a database. Right. There, There is no such thing as stateless. Right. Like it's it's uh, stateless is useless. It's just the issue is that. People who want or, or, or the values of serverless containers microservices are all dependent on statelessness because you can't, I don't know, you can't just kill things and make them elastic and scale them if you have state to maintain. And state is difficult, right? So it's sort of like once you're like, oh, but then you're connecting to a database, then you're, it, it's like the, uh, the slippery slope of databases. Then you're like, oh, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to know when to validate a cache and blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, you're having some discussion about like, uh, I don't know, multi-phase commit versus eventual consistency, right? And and I almost feel like that's one of those, like it's almost like, I think like, I, I think statelessness is like Scientology, where it's sort of like initially you're just like <laughs> holding some tin cans and figuring out that you have some problems. And you're like, listen, don't tell them about eventual consistency until they're on the yacht, right? Like we cannot have that discussion until they're fully bought in and they're committed and that rolling back the changes are going to be a big, bigger deal than like going back to state. But, Cause but it's just that's, like, that's not the apps problem. That's the databases problem. Right. right. It, it's just like a whole other perspective on thing, but it's sort of like eventually like I'm going to go to Gmail and I expect my email to be there. Right. Like, and, and so a lot, or like, you know, when I transfer money, I would like the money to go from one place to another. When I order a pizza, I would like pizza to show up at my door. Like there is state, that has to be reliable, but, and I think. But, but your but your Gmail state isn't in the web browser tab. That's the whole point. I'm, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I, I I'm just saying, like, it's this shift of perspective that I think I think you've got to like bring people along to. So, in in that's what I'm saying. In, in in that Brandon is is right. Is that like yes, you have serverless, but you also have statefulness, right? Like somewhere there is state, and this is where like like sure. The idea of serverless sounds great, right? But but the thing I still haven't seen enough uses for, again, which is not to say that I don't think it would be, but but I'm I'm always eager to see more of just like like how does this move beyond the idea of a method in object orientation or just like a script? Like you've got to you've got to string all these things together with state some, stored somewhere, with the stage and a workflow that you're in, 
right? Like, because most all enterprise computing is just like a multi multi branching, multi entity approving like workflow thing of like. Yeah. Customer wants something, someone has to figure out to say yes or no. You've got to escalate to a higher authority for decision making. You have to log a decision was made. You remediate some other decision decision being made, and then Brandon gets a loan and he can buy a house. Right. <laughs> and so like so basically you're just doing workflow management and saving the state of things and doing compliance and figuring out when things are running up and down, and then your CFO wants you to do it for less. Like it's all pretty basic stuff. And then it's also just like can Cote use face ID to log in to approve purchasing an iPad? Right. Like so like how you you fit like a bunch of calls out to a serverless thing there is that's groovy, uh, so to speak. Right. Like that's fine. But um, I don't know. I, I just haven't read a lot of like enterprise usages, usages of it. And, and in fact, reading that Mark Hinkle thing, I, I was finding this now. Now, let me give you the example he used. And, and uh, it goes, for example, when a trouble ticket is created in Zendesk, Zendesk that data can automatically can be automatically analyzed by Amazon Comprehend to determine what the customer's sentiment is, angry, satisfied, or confused. Then purchasing history, warranty information, and pertinent information stored in a database like Amazon Redshift can be used to give the customer service rep a complete picture of the customer to more expediently resolve any issue. Now that is a tight, I'm gonna call that 50 words. And if you were to like really think about all the workflows going through there, all the different systems, all the lines of responsibility, all the individuals, that is essentially an entire Fortune 50 company's business right there, right? Like <laughs> that is an insane amount of IT and workflows. Yes. And sure, if you could reduce your enterprise architecture to, let's say five stacks that you're using, a phone system for your customer rep to talk to people, Amazon Redshift that contains your entire ERP database, it sounds like. And then you have Amazon Comprehend, whatever that is. Uh, and then you have Zendesk. And then you also have a UI. And then you also have your audit stuff. Then you're going to need, like, it's just sort of like, sure, but, like, even that architecture is fucking madness, right? Like, well, like that one paragraph is still an insane architecture, which, again is not to dismiss serverless, right? but it's just, <laughs> but it's, you, yeah, I mean, I, I agree, but if you look at what's already there, it's even worse. I'm, totally. No. And, <laughs> and that is, that, that is somewhere back to Brandon's prompting of me. That is exactly correct. Right. Is that it, it is, it is not even incremental, but I'm sure it is much, much better than the existing mess that's there. But like, I, I, I feel like, and it's probably like all things. I don't follow it well enough, but I feel like the the sophistication knob on the discussion around serverless is insufficient, <laughs> right? Like, like that paragraph is is like is like fancy kids' book <laughs> shit, right? Like, like. If if each of those different things of purchasing history, warranty information, and pertinent information had five different systems across like every geography yeah. in the world that like also had network admins and things like that and like so forth and so on, then like sounds good. But it, it, it's just it's like the, yeah. It it's a draw the owl kind of example, right? Right, right. And, and and so so that is I am by no means uh, you know, saying technically I don't know anything about the technology, but it sounds great. It's just sort of like, hey man. Let's take all the serverless stuff and apply it to insanity, 
right? Because that's basically what like enterprise IT is about is like, I don't know, we're going to do lobotomies now, stick them in an ice tub bath. Do we do talk therapy? <laughs> like the patient is always insane. It's just like, what kind of treatment are we going to give exactly. it? And how, how are we going to file that with the insurance company? And it's just like, we need to go over those kind of tools and technologies yeah. to see if we're improving things. And, and, and the consultants are the, uh, the traveling uh, roadshow doctors. Yeah. The, the, guy the medicine with the big, salesman. The guy with the big tooth that kills, uh, that kills the guy from Gilbert Grape eventually. That's, that's, that's what you want right there. Yes. So, uh, hey, do we have any uh, bureaucracy to go over? this episode brandon well just uh, a little <clears throat> excuse me a little bureaucracy uh today and it's really just in the form of congratulations I want to congratulate uh strong dm who sponsored this episode and sponsored a bunch of episodes this year so one we appreciate that but they just w- raised their series a so uh congratulations to them that's always a huge milestone in the life of any company so we hope they continue to do well and of course we appreciate their sponsorship and uh of course if you want stickers uh, please send me your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I'll be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Now, I, I look in our Slack channel, and I have to say, I would fund that hair. The, <laughs> that, that group of founders, phenomenal. They did have a good, uh, a good picture. You can uh, click on the, the link about their funding to see it all. It was good stuff. Yeah, I, I like it. It's good. Uh, so, uh, you know, as always, you should join us on the, our Slack channel if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com. You can find out how to get on there. We're broadcasting this now on Twitch. You can check that out. We got all sorts of stuff. Brandon's got a cool thing that'll dial you into your Zoom or your WebEx or your Teams and uh, so forth and so on. Go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 267 to find links to everything. Now, with that, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this week? All right. So um, this week, I actually did an interview with uh, Dan Bukowski. So go back and listen to it if you're if you're interested. He talked a lot about travel and product turn and stuff like that. But after the show, he sent me a link. He said he used this uh, service called otter.ai, and it takes MP3 pile, uh, files and makes transcripts. So he you know, uh, took our uh, interview, made a transcript. And you know, I played around with some of these services before, never been really that impressed with them. I never found them very accurate, but this one I thought was pretty good. So I actually did it and I actually put the transcript and there's a link in the show notes uh, for that episode. You can go back and just click on the transcript link on the website. And if you want to read or search and, you know, about what we're doing, uh, check it out. So I thought it was, you know, this, I don't know, maybe these transcription services have come a long way or maybe I just kind of got bitter when I looked at them all. So uh, if people like transcripts, maybe we'll go ahead and make this part of our, our show flow. We can create transcripts for all the episodes. But uh, if you're interested, go check out the transcript, check out the episode. And then if you want to make your own transcript, uh, otter.ai has a nice free trial. So go give it a shot if you want to turn your audio into text. How about yourself, Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend? Uh, so the, the latest episode of the podcast song exploder, uh, covers one of, uh, my favorite albums of the last year, uh, run the jewels is, um, RTJ four and they got the song just, uh, it talks about how, you know, they brought in, uh, uh, Zach De La Roca from, uh, rage against the machine and, uh, um, Pharrell from, you know, the Neptunes and brought them all together for, I think it's my favorite track on the album. So it's, it's quite good. So uh, go check that out. If, if you like RTJ. Um, oh, is that, is that the one with the slave masters on your dollars? Yes. Mm, yes. Clever. <laughs> it's good. It's good. And the no, no, no. Is- my, my, don't let my tone belie my uh, sentiment. Yes, it is good. 
Yeah, yeah, and and the 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 you know dismantling of the song and how it came together. That's that's kind of cool. Um, and then uh, uh, I'd like to uh, give a shout out to um, my local uh, gym. He's uh, they've started selling their own branded kettlebells. Uh, if you need yourself some professional quali- quality kettlebells for your uh, if, if you if you've worn out your chin up bar, Kote, um, we can get you some uh, <laughs> some kettlebells in Australia. Uh, the hundred strong kettlebells. That's my link. Yeah. Well, you know, I added so much pectoral muscle that muscle that I just <laughs> it just it just cracked was the problem. That's why I don't use it anymore. Well, uh, I also have a musical recommendation, which is uh, this this guy uh, Durando, who's who's like an old like uh, as they say, sweet soul guy who's dead. And uh, I think one of his songs is famously uh, in that uh, that song about making uh, uh, what is it, Breaking Bad or something. But like I, I came across it randomly and I and I was listening to it and I was like, oh, this is one of those people who like really like Marvin Gaye. And, and they're trying to recreate that nowadays because the album was from uh, 2005. And then I looked him up and it turned out, no, he's actually dead. And this is someone from the uh, late 60s and 70s who was, was uh, contemporary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So you should go check if, if, if you're a fan of uh, the Yacht Rock playlist that we have in the Software Defined Talk uh, community, you will probably like Durando from the Bay Area of all places. And uh, pretty good stuff right there. So as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. This is episode number 267. So you can get the show notes for this, including links to the things we recommended. Uh, you can go work out with Matt Ray in Sydney, apparently. I don't know if that's allowed. Uh, nowadays, but you can see where he gets his big muscles from. Uh, if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 267. Uh, and as always, thanks for listening. My iPad thanks you. Bye-bye. Bye. Listen, hey, what, are we recording, I, recording? Hold on. Oh, you yeah, gotta, let's record, record. You got to give me, like, hold on. Okay, give me, are we going, going? Brandon, as you told me once, I always assume we're recording. <laughs>